Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you on a Victory Sunday night. Couldn't even wait for Victory Monday after that Browns victory. Final score, 41-35 over the Titans. Browns moved to 9-3 on the season, and I've brought Spencer Mahone back in from 92-3, the fan, to break it all down with me. Spencer, how are you doing on this fine, fine victory Sunday night? Dude, I am ecstatic. I mean, watching that game from the first half, I was like, what brain of football am I watching? Who hijacked the Cleveland Browns? What team is this? I, I, I'm speechless. I cannot believe how well the Browns played. Now, the second half is kind of a different story, and this is something we'll talk about throughout the podcast, but I just can't get the images out of the first half out of my mind. I'm just thoroughly impressed. That's the only way I can describe it. Ecstatic. So pleased. It, just, it, was, it was marvelous. There, I, I'm running out of adjectives to describe how I feel in this moment. I tweeted it out at the end of the first half. That was the happiest I've ever been watching Cleveland Browns football. I wasn't around for the 80s. I'm spoiler. Right <laughs> so I didn't get to catch the greatest Browns moments in franchise history. So for me, that first half, that domination was just about as good as it gets as a Browns fan. It was just so, so sweet. And we're going to break down everything Browns fans, I promise for you, on this podcast. I, I think, frankly, I need to start with an apology. Hands up. Hands up. I, I apologize to Browns Nation out there because I doubted the Browns a little bit in, in this game. I talked about uh, previously on this podcast how I thought this was a bad matchup for the Browns, how coming into the season I circled this as a loss. You know, when you kind of go through on your game card, win-loss, win-loss. I had this one as a loss. I've been keeping it that way as I try to think about the Browns and the playoff picture, all that. And you know, as this game got closer and closer, I heard the rumblings out there. I did my research. You know, Titans defense not very good against play action. Hey, the advanced numbers say this Titans defense might not be that good against the run. And I slowly started to warm up to it. And, and Browns fans, I'm sorry. Baker Mayfield, I'm sorry for ever doubting. So, so Spencer, that's how I got to start the podcast. I got to give a big apology to everyone. Say that I was wrong, and I was wrong in the best way possible given how the Browns came out and just absolutely dominated that first half 38 first half points the most first half points I believe ever for a Browns team just absolutely incredible you're absolutely correct 38 first half points Baker set a new career high and I correct me if I'm wrong but I think that might be up there with uh some of the franchise greats in uh first down or touchdowns and a half excuse me you're you're absolutely correct I'll cut you off just because 
Baker Mayfield matched Otto Graham's record from 1951. I know I saw Think that on about Twitter that earlier today. Think about that for a second. Otto Graham. Northwestern alum. I'd like to throw that out there as a Northwestern alum. My dad wasn't even alive when <laughs> Otto Graham was playing. Think about that. That is some serious company the man's keeping right now. It was absolutely insane, the first half performance he put on. And, of course, putting in that historical context illuminates that. But also, this was just a flat-out statement victory for the Browns. It, it was a truly dominating performance in that first half. They outgained the Titans 344 to 150. It was the most first points half ever, first half points ever for the franchise, as we said. And the reality is this is a good Titans team. And it's, it was almost lost at points during the broadcast today. Like, hey, this is an 8-3 and three Titans team. And the Browns were all over them. This isn't the Jets. And that, this would be surprising if it were the Jets. But it wasn't. It was the Tennessee Titans, 8-3, and three, great defensive coach. And, and they were still no match for the Browns. I, I mean, I guess they're still running off of the massive high of winning that game and you said it exactly on point this is a banner victory now i i've heard from people going into this matchup that are you know fairly optimistic about the browns that if they can win this there's almost no doubt that this is a 12-win football team because like you said this is a really good titans team and i just want to point out how dominant joe woods was in that first two and three quarters of the game because they had Derrick Henry on lock. This is a man who was on pace, I believe, in the CBS broadcast, they said, for 1,878 yards and upwards of above 15 touchdowns this season. That's, that's a phenomenal season. He's almost a 2,000-yard rusher. That's what he's on pace for. They held the man to 60 yards. The defense was better than they've been all season. It was truly their best game by a long shot, in my opinion. Some of the other games where they held teams down, there was some weather factor. None of that in this game. Cloudy, nice day for football in Tennessee. So it really was a, a complete performance by the team. Offense, defense, special teams, the kicking game was on point. And just to put this in further historical context, I saw this tweet from Jake Trotter that – this was the Browns' first win over an opponent who was five games or better above 500 since 2010 in that New England Patriots team. I remember that victory. Not a very good Browns team that year uh, when they beat the Patriots. Uh, but uh, they had 19 consecutive losses against teams like that until today. So truly a defining victory, like you said. And, and there was almost so much – to, to discuss from this game so many different positives so that's kind of where I want to take this discussion Spencer is what if you had to put your finger on what was the number one positive takeaway for you in this game I have a bunch of them I think the Browns game planning overall this week especially with what Kevin Stefanski had dialed up offensively I mean you had the gadget play to Baker for the first down that had the roughing the passer penalty on Jarvis of all people people like I heard in the press conference I was listening to a Cleveland Browns post game with uh 
Gerard and my buddy Jeff Phelps, I did not think ever I'd see a roughing the passer penalty from Jarvis. And we we saw that. I mean, that was a beautiful pass. Great catch by Baker. Just everything they had dialed up play-wise on offense. Scheme. It, it was incredible. That's the only word I have for it. I, I 100% agree with you. That was actually my number two takeaway, but I'm just going to go into kind of some of the notes I had on that as well, because the second thing I had written down was the perfect marriage of, of play calling and quarterback. That's what I saw in this game today, particularly in that first half. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned the trick play with Jarvis Landry, but there were just so many fantastic plays. I thought Kevin Stefanski called his greatest game as the Browns head coach in his rookie season, the long touchdown pass where they, you know, they faked them out with a kind of a max protect situation and then hit that long touchdown pass down the sideline. There was the play act. They ran this play action play where Jarvis Landry was in the backfield as the running back and then got him matched up on a linebacker. Of course, the pass to the offensive lineman for a touchdown. There was just, I had 10 different plays written down, you know, as I took notes on, on this game that I was like, Genius play call. Great play call. Another one from Stefanski. He was dialing it up against Mike Vrabel. And, and I know there were some questions about some of the decisions he made as a head coach in the second half of this football game. But as a play caller, this was an unbelievable effort from him, I thought. No, you hit the nail on the head. My, one of my favorite plays is where they pulled out the three tight ends package and with the three tight ends, you had Donovan Peoples-Jones. So technically, you can call this a four-receiver tight set, but they had all three tight ends on the line, and Peoples-Jones was to the top of the screen on the right side, and he dials up the out and up, gets the safety or the cornerback to absolutely bite on that play, and he was just gone. The dude has foot speed. And Baker put that pass absolutely spot on the money. That, I think, was the play that defined the entire game because you had Tennessee score, and at that point, I believe it was 17-7. And, you know, Tennessee's still very much in this game. And you ha and they kind of got hit in the mouth on that previous defensive drive. So – you have to come back and you have to score. You have to hit this team in the mouth again. I mean, you were risking being in a track meet scoring that fast, but I would have rather the Browns be in a track meet because I think with how they had the game planning dialed up, they were absolutely ready to do it. And that long touchdown to DPJ from Baker, I think, defined this game entirely, especially the first half. And you just touched on what was my number one takeaway from this game. And, and I don't want to put the, the cart before the horse any longer is this is the best game of Baker Mayfield's career. I, I don't see how you could call it any other way. Baker Mayfield was on fire in this first half and defined this football game with his play. So you now just to put the stats to that for the entire game, he was 25 for 33 334 yards and four touchdowns, QBR 88, a passer rating of 147. Just, again, insane numbers that, that kind of tell the story of how Baker Mayfield was in this game. The ball placement, 
like you just pointed out on that throw to DPJ down the sideline and on a number of other plays was elite. I thought, frankly, a lot of those eight incompletions were the results of either drops from the receivers or throwaways from Baker Mayfield where he didn't see a, a read and was just, you know, being careful with the football. So almost a near perfect game from him. I, it's, it's really hard outside of that turnover at the end of the game, really otherwise there, there just wasn't a lot of mistakes from him at all. No, you hit the nail on the head. And I mean, that's going to go into uh, one of my takeaways as well with the four minute offense. I think they ran the four minute offense really, really well today. I think that four minute offense with, you know, the short passes coupled up with either Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb getting three, four, five yards and just letting the clock tick away. You especially saw that four-minute offense late in, in the game to essentially put that game on ice because when you did that, even though you had to punt, Tennessee went down. They scored in four or five minutes and – that, that's kind of when I've, I felt comfortable. I'm like, okay, it's 13 points. There's like a minute left. This, this one's over. The, the offense was good in, in the four-minute drill. And I think, again, that was where Kevin Stefanski showed some trust in Baker Mayfield. Where I look to evaluate quarterbacks and coaches in particular is on third down. And I know Tennessee was the worst third down defense coming into this game. That was talked about consistently. They can't get off the field. They can't get off the field. But Baker Mayfield took, took advantage of that as well as any quarterback. He was six for six on third down today. He couldn't, couldn't be stopped. He kept that Titans defense on the field. And uh, in the first half, it was a lot of touchdowns. But even in the second half, it was keeping drives alive. There were some great play calling as well with Kevin Stefanski, some screens to Kareem Hunt that, that picked up a third down is coming to mind. And just a, a host of other plays where there was a chance, there was a door, you know, the door was cracking open for the Tennessee Titans and Baker and Stefanski, it felt like slammed that door continually on third down throughout this game. No, you're absolutely correct. And I mean, I feel like a lot of that is – how Baker has responded to his his critics, whether it be, you know, Browns fans or, you know, people in the media saying, oh, he hasn't shown this, this, and this yet. He did – he checked all those boxes today. I, I think a lot of people, if they turn on ESPN in the morning and listen to some of the national analysts and prognosticators, they're going to be absolutely floored by what they saw today and Mary Kay Cabot of the plain dealer and cleveland.com I can't remember on what show she said this on but she said Baker plays his best when his back is against the wall and people are you are you know really coming at him and this this game is the absolute perfect response because questions of Baker were asked going into this game I think he shut everyone up today he did. He did. And I wouldn't say I was one of the haters of, of Baker Mayfield, but my position on, on this podcast has long been, hey, I'm a little bit in the middle right now. I think that people who are saying Baker Mayfield's a bust are going way too far, given the, the glimpses he's shown and 
also given that his circumstances of how many different coaches he's had, how many different offensive coordinators he had, finally seems like he's found the right coach and play caller for him. And they don't have an off season they, there's COVID issues, all of that. So I was saying, Hey, you, you know, that's too far. But for the people saying Baker's our franchise quarterback for sure, long run 10 years, I was like, well, I'd like to see a little bit of growth before I, I, I go that far too. And to me today was the epitome of that growth. It, it, he's almost been hard to evaluate given the bad weather these last couple of games, given how run dominant they've been in part in, intentionally because they've been winning a lot of these games, leading a lot of these games. Baker to me showed that th- this last month hasn't been a fluke, that as the competition increases, as the stakes increase, and as more is put on his plate from the beginning of the game, he's ready to meet that challenge. He didn't make any terrible decisions with the football today. He was diming guys up left and right with just beautiful throws from the pocket, finding his second option, his third option, the check down, in the pocket, on the move, all of those things. He had the, the full complement working where – it, it, he, he was as good as any NFL quarterback has been on a Sunday this season. It wasn't just his best game of the season. I'd put it right up there as one of the very best games that's been played by a quarterback in the NFL this entire season. No, absolutely. I mean, you, got, you also got to look at how many different receivers he hit. He hit Hollywood for a touchdown. He had six for 95. DPJ with a touchdown. He had two for 92. He hit Jarvis eight times. He hit Nick Chubb, and that was a screen pass that got 26 yards. He hit Hooper. He hit Kareem Hunt. He hit David Njoku, Dearness Johnson. And he hit Kendall Lamb for a touchdown. That <laughs> Backup is, tackle. Yeah, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different receivers. On Baskin and Phelps on Friday, there's a segment they do called Two Keys in a Lock. Someone said that Baker is going to hit six different receivers. He's going to spread the ball around. And clearly spreading the ball around is where Baker does best because if you look at it, four touchdowns, no interceptions, eight incompletions, nine different receivers. And it's not only where Baker's at his best, it's where this offense is at its best at this point, right? No OBJ. So there's no no clear number one guy. And so you got to use the multitude of weapons that this team still has. Jarvis Landry might not be your typical number one receiver, but he gets open underneath consistently. They've got some other big play threats. They've got the running backs they can use out of the backfield. They've got multiple tight end options. So as long as you're creative, this team still has plenty of weapons to use. And Kevin Stefanski did that today. And Baker Mayfield was able to, to spread the wealth around. You know, he wasn't focused on just one receiver. And you see that out of young quarterbacks sometimes. They, they develop that favorite target, that tight end, that receiver that they go to consistently. And, and while Jarvis Landry got the most targets today, there were plenty of, of other people who got in on the action. So just once again, kudos to Baker Mayfield. Kudos to this offense. I want to talk a little bit more about the defense. We haven't gotten to that in our key takeaways. And it's that's fair only because the offense, look, it was the star of the show, 38 points in the first half. How, how could it not be? We had to talk about that as extensively as we did. However, coming into the game, it was all about Derrick Henry, right? How the Browns couldn't tackle them. And again, I started the show with the apology. I'll put my hand up again. I said coming into this game, you know, I think the Browns defense on the running side is a little bit overrated 
because a lot of teams have been throwing against the Browns and the DVOA and all that kind of says, hey, the Browns run defense, the raw numbers aren't showing. They might not be as good as we thought. And I was like, the linebackers, how are we going to do? Garrett coming back from COVID, all of these factors. I was wrong. Derrick Henry, 15 carries, 60 yards. That's it. And, and although this Titans team scored 35 points, a lot of that was in garbage time, Spencer. And this defense came to play unlike it has all season. Oh, you hit the nail on the head. I definitely was worried about Derrick Henry. I'll put my hand up for that. But that's just looking at it analytically. Derrick Henry's a monster, regardless of what the stats show you in this game. The dude's an animal. And this game will take nothing away from Derrick Henry, I promise you. Both teams, it like, and this was something else I was talked about going into this game. Both teams' bread and butter has been running the football this year. That is not what this game was. It was passing the football because, I mean, Tannehill had a phenomenal game. Tannehill had 389 passing yards. Baker had 334. So it's, it's one of those things where you look at one thing like it's going to be the key, but the key was something completely different. Well, and frankly, I, I, I think those Tannehill numbers don't tell the full story because I thought Ryan Tannehill had a very poor first half. I thought he missed some throws that were out there. And I no, think he, he picked up a lot of those. You're right. Those, those yards in the second half. And to me, the most encouraging thing for this Browns defense, and it, probably the second most encouraging thing overall outside of Baker Mayfield and his play in this game, was I felt like the defense found its true identity today. And to me, this team's true identity it settles right there with the front four. It's the front four guys. And as good as Denzel Ward is, and you know there are other players on this team that can make plays, it's, hey, when everybody's healthy and in there, that D-line can win the line of scrimmage. And if the Browns' offensive line is going to win the line of scrimmage and the Browns' defensive line is going to win the line of scrimmage, they can compete with any team in the NFL. And it was Miles Garrett, of course. Having him back today was massive. And they mentioned this on the broadcast. Yes, he had that one sack, but it was also the double teams he commanded that freed up Sheldon Richardson to make plays, Vernon. Ogan Joby, all those guys were, were in on the backfield today because of the attention that Garrett was drawing. And then they delivered. They delivered. Sheldon Richardson was the one that forced the fumble on Derrick Henry when he got in the backfield. There was pressure on Tannehill throughout the day from, from all different places. And so to me, I looked at that this game and I said, okay, is this Browns defense elite? No. I think that's been made clear this season. They're never going to be just because of the injuries, uh, of the inexperience in the linebacking core, all of that, sure. But with the front four guys they have and, and the rotation that they can put in there as well, depth, I think they can cause enough problems to put some pressure on just about anybody that they're going to play. No, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, having Miles Garrett back was huge. That was my number two takeaway. They gave him – I would say for what we're used to with Miles Garrett, I would say it's limited action, but he looked like he hasn't missed a beat. And, and people talk about it all the time, how Miles is an absolute workout freak. And I mean, he, he talked about in his press conference, I believe it was Friday, um, about how, how hard uh, the coronavirus hit him. And it didn't seem to hinder his play at all. I mean, 
You hit the nail on the head. The double teams he commanded allowed other people to get in there. Linebackers were making plays. I thought the secondary being as depleted as it was played, you know, pretty adequately. Um, That's something we're going to have to hop into uh, when we talk about Tennessee's receiving. After A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, you don't really have anybody because a lot of the receipt, a lot of the receptions from guys like Anthony Ferkser and Michael Pruitt kind of happened in garbage time, if I'm being honest. I thought most of the passing game happened in garbage time. The, the Tennessee offense in the first half, now granted they didn't have the ball uh, as much as they probably were expecting to have it in the first half. They didn't do that much against the, the Browns defense. And so a lot of that second half, you know, a lot of those numbers, I just, I'm not going to put that much weight on. And, and Denzel Ward wasn't playing in this game and he's going to be the guy that's taking away AJ Brown. So they don't have to double team as much. And that totally changes the philosophy back there from the secondary perspective. But on, I already talked about the D line. I also want to give some props to the linebackers because I've, I've been critical of them this season. I think they actually are the weakest part of this Browns team, even though Anderson Dejo gets a lot of the hate back there in the secondary. I think the linebackers have struggled in both run and pass overall this year, but I don't think they did today. I, I thought BJ Goodson had a great game today. I thought the recognition on the play where the Titans tried to run their extra O-lineman out of the backfield. I thought that was an incredible play. I thought Mac Wilson had one of his better games as a Brown in the run game. And I thought overall, the linebackers did a great job of cleaning up the run plays against Derrick Henry, finishing him off to the ground. And then on the flip side, on the pass, I thought they also did a good job kind of really containing everything in the first half. There were no real big plays the Titans couldn't get a rhythm going everything was kept in front of them in that second half numbers I just that that's nothing to me it's just not no I'm I'm right there with you it's it's hard to look at the second half and you know think about you know how many points and what happened throughout the second half you got to think back to the first half when the Browns absolutely had their foot on the gas and just, you know, just feet to the fire of, uh, against Tennessee. Like that's just how it was. Baker, like we've talked about a lot already has came out with his hair on fire. The defense came out with their hair on fire. Having Garrett back was huge. And okay. So just, just to be clear. So I, I think I'm going to go on record and say second half does not concern me at all. That, that, I oh, thought, it does not. Come on now. It doesn't. It, it it doesn't concern you either. No, I mean, okay, I just I wanted to make sure that was clear because I I look I saw that from Brown's Twitter today. I saw that from, from some other people that were like, yes, the first half was dominant. Dominant. The second half has got to worry you a little bit. But to me, it didn't really. I didn't think Kevin's. I I saw some heat for Kevin Stefanski out there too. I didn't really see anything that that was that bad. I actually thought the fourth down sneak call to Baker made sense. You eliminate a handoff where you potentially have, have any issue there. And look, Baker Mayfield picked up the first down. That's on him to make sure he secures the football going down to the ground. So I really, I thought they were in prevent defense a lot of the time. It, it certainly got my heart racing. Look, I'm not going to pretend that my heart wasn't racing and that it didn't cross my mind that the Browns could blow this in epic, epic proportion. But on the whole, as I sit back and take a calmer look at the game, it doesn't really worry me, did it, and it doesn't sound like it did for you either. No, I mean, you got to look 
with up to five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You know, the score is 41-21. You have this game in hand, and you've taken the bull by the horns. And, you know, Tennessee's just, you know, giving it to Ferkser and just diming their way down the field. And I think that's kind of where Tennessee had the problem in the second half. And that's why I think the passing stats, while they look, wow, uh, like, wow, that's a really good game on paper for this guy and this guy and this guy. It, I'm not concerned because you've got to watch that game up until five minutes to go. Because I, I looked at the score, I'm like, it's 41-21. If the Browns get this back, they essentially put this game on ice. And, I mean, they got it back, and you pointed out the Baker fumble. That's definitely on him to secure that. And I believe at that point it was 41-28. But, you know, there were a couple garbage time touchdowns. I discount the last third of the fourth quarter entirely because I'm looking at how the Browns' defense played up to that point. And I think up to that point it was pretty much – perfectly done I mean you knew you knew the offense eventually was going to get theirs be it you know Corey Davis AJ Brown or Derrick Henry you knew it was coming like we talked about this Friday on probably every show on the fan you knew what was going to happen when Tennessee had the football Corey Davis AJ Brown Derrick Henry those are the three you need to key off of you knew they were going to get theirs in some way shape or form and they did like the stats show it they did but up to that point 41 21 that's kind of where I draw the line I agree I agree and and now the question really becomes how far can this Browns team go and and we're going to talk about that here on the rebuild but first we do have to pause and take a quick break to hear from our sponsors this episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes, football is back in a full swing. And you, while you might not be at the game this year, you can still get in on all the action at Bet Online. I'm certainly betting on every NFL Sunday and also most of the primetime games. I, uh, I missed on the Steelers Ravens game, took the Steelers in a tease, but did not get the over, unfortunately. So. That one stung a little bit. But hey, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you all the options to wager more so than anywhere else. I tell you another bet I made that I love right now Eagles plus 260 to win the division in the NFC East. Yes, I bet on the NFC East. Do I have a problem? Maybe, but like their schedule going down the stretch versus the Giants and the Washington football team. So there's some free gambling advice. I'll get through to the rest of the script here because I'm sure Bet Online wants me to get back on that. You can get in on their season opening bonuses. You can start wagering on division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all of that. When you do that, don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This episode of The Rebuild is also brought to you by Indeed. 
2020 has already shaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help you through that process. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. I know Blue Wire jobs are posted on Indeed. We're hiring for a couple different positions. Startup company, we've got some hiring opportunities and we had to put them on Indeed because they do the best work. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And then that way you can contact them the moment your sponsored job is submitted, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do as a company. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we're back here on The Rebuild. Spencer Mahone joining me from 92.3 The Fan. We're breaking down everything Browns here. And wow, uh, you know, 9-3 and three now on the season. Their best start since 1994, I believe. Their first winning season since 2007. Is that correct? I think you are so. Correct. You are and, correct. and, you know, really taking a long step towards uh, their first playoff berth since 2002 as well with this victory today against the Tennessee Titans. And so, Spencer, now, now it's time to start asking the question, you know, what's the ceiling for this team? Man, I don't know. That's such a tough question to answer. But after this game, you know they're legit nationally because you just beat another 8-3 and three team in their house. Granted, you know, reduced capacity because of COVID and whatnot. But it's still not easy to travel down to someone else's stadium, no matter how many fans they have in the stadium, and play the brand of football that the Browns did today. Like, that's an eight, that's another eight and three team going into this matchup, and that's a team on paper that, in every sense of the word, matches you in in the matchup. Like, yeah, we've talked about it before that we didn't think this was going to be a good matchup because of Derrick Henry and AJ Brown and Corey Davis and all that, but. The Browns came out with their hair on fire. So I would have to think that the sky's the limit. They look focused and ready to take on a team like Baltimore. After this, they're almost lock, seal, sign it, deliver it. They're going to the playoffs. Well, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire here a little bit. I want I want a, I want an answer to the question. What what do you think the right the record ceiling is for this team? 
And, and what do you think the playoff ceiling is? What is it? Well, right now, I think the Browns logically can go 12 and four. I think 13 and three is going to be a little tough. 12 and four, looking at it regardless of how you do it, that's a phenomenal record. You look at what they did last year compared to now, and this is leaps and bounds better. Now, I think it's going to depend on the playoff matchup that you get. You could potentially be looking at the AFC East winner in Buffalo, but you could also be looking at the AFC South winner, and I think the AFC South winner would be an easier matchup in this case, whomever that may be right now. That's Indianapolis, and that's a team that the Browns beat, I think, pretty soundly based on how they played that day here in Cleveland. Now, you'd be going to Indianapolis to play them. So, you know, throw weather out the window. The Browns are going to be absolutely on fire because you look at the weather today and you think about how the conditions will be at Lucas Oil in Indianapolis should you play the Colts. Everything lines up for Baker just to sling the ball downfield all damn day. I think it's realistic that this team gets to 12 and four, just like you said. 13 and three would be a lot, given that the Ravens and the Steelers are still on the schedule. A, a frisky Giants team as well that's actually beating the Seahawks, at least last I checked here on, on Sunday night. So, record wise, I agree with you. Playoff wise, I think they could win a game. I, I, I would like their chances on the road at Tennessee, at Indianapolis, at Buffalo, any of those three places. The way Baker Mayfield has played, frankly, I like their chances against everybody in the AFC not named Kansas City, not Patrick Mahomes. I even think they could go into Pittsburgh. I really do. If he plays this well, if Baker Mayfield is going to be this good on third down, if he's going to be this smart with the football where he doesn't throw interceptions, he completes the passes that are schemed up for him. With all that being said, I this team to me has an outside shot at making the Super Bowl. I really don't think that's that unrealistic. I really don't. And, and look, given their seating this year, I understand that's going to be extremely, extremely difficult having to go on the road for every game. And, and so I'm going to take this, this question and almost blow it up a little bit because what I saw here today may not be – relevant for this season and this team's ceiling this season, given the fact that Pittsburgh's 11-0 and going to clinch the AFC North, not give the Browns a chance to play a home playoff game really this year. But I think to me, Baker Mayfield showed today that the Browns are in Super Bowl contention for the next three to five years. I firmly believe that. I think oh, the Browns yeah. could be playing in a Super Bowl in the next three to five years. I think he showed the ceiling of a quarterback that can lead a team to the Super Bowl I think with Miles Garrett on the other side, that this team has an offensive playmaker and Baker and with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and then a defensive playmaker like that. And then the final piece is, I think the Browns have a top-tier NFL coach. I think Kevin Stefanski is that good. I think he dominated Mike Vrabel today, who is considered an elite coach, an elite defensive coach. And I thought Kevin Stefanski coached circles around him today. So the combination of Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski at the helm, I think the Browns today solidified themselves as a Super Bowl contender in the AFC for the next few years. So I got to ask you this, and this was something, you know, that a couple of people on the station have brought up. And there have been murmurings, at least around, you know, 
uh, press here in Cleveland, at least locally, and potentially regionally. I'm not 100% sure. But do you think Stefanski gets coach of the year after a game like this? This pains me to say I don't think he will because I'm guessing the Steelers are going to go 15-1 and and or 16-0. and And I think Mike Tomlin's going to get a little bit of a lifetime kind of achievement award with the coach of the year given – look, and that's not to say he doesn't deserve it either because that, that team's accomplishments given everything that they've dealt with on their side. Uh, I'm going to be the last one to be sympathetic towards the Steelers, but the way they got their bye taken away from them, the way they've had games moved around – for them to be 11-0 is a hell of a job from Mike Tomlin. So I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to win it. But frankly, I don't care. Because to me, the award isn't as relevant as what I've seen from him is that he is an elite-level play caller who is setting his team up to win football games. And that's going to last well beyond this year. Well beyond this year. And so I don't think he's going to win even with how, you know, even if the Browns were in the table, frankly, I don't think he's going to win. And that's only because I think there's this idea that the Browns have a lot of talent, which they do at the key positions. But I think that he has also done a lot with that talent. And, and frankly, as you said, this game is an incredible example of that. A year ago, the Browns played the Tennessee Titans with largely similar rosters at the key positions, right? Same quarterbacks, same receivers for the most part. Of course, there are changes year over year in the NFL. And the Browns got the doors blown off them last year. And they did the blowing out this year, at least in the first half. And so if there, I don't know if there's a wider coach gap between Freddie Kitchens last year in week one and what Kevin Stefanski did to Mike Vrabel <laughs> this week. So I think to me, you know, he's not going to win coach of the year. I, I really don't believe that. But also... What an example of a coaching upgrade that the Cleveland Browns got in Kevin Stefanski this week. Coaching upgrade is an understatement. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, like, like you said, he coached circles around him this game. I could not believe what I was watching. Because I'm like, you know, Vrabel's a good coach. His style suits the pro game. And that's something... God, I think that's something Tim May said when we were talking a little bit of Browns on uh, Baskin and Phelps before they jumped into talking Buckeyes. But again, you know, that's that's a local guy, Akron Walsh Jesuit High School, Ohio State University. And Tim May said, Vrabel style pro game works, 100%. I, it didn't look like that today at all. I'm like, I... I I, I, I'm confused. At, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. That's, I think, the only way to describe it. Kevin Spansky just got the better of him today, and, and there's no other way to put it other than that. All right, Spencer, I, I think it's time we wrap up here. We don't want to go too long on this feed. You know, we, we at least claim to typically be a 30-minute show uh, on the rebuild. Had to go longer than that today, of course, with everything going on. But – such an exciting victory for the Browns to move to nine and three on the season against the Tennessee Titans. They play Baltimore next week, chance to go 10 and three and for their best record in what I believe I saw is 51 years. So truly a once in a lifetime moment for Browns fans, Spencer. Absolutely. And I mean, 
you look at this Baltimore team, like I said earlier, they're in an absolute nosedive right now. Nobody knows what's going on with them. And looking here, they, they've kind of had it rough. And I mean, this team's in an absolute nosedive. And with how bad they've looked and how badly COVID has hit this team in, in terms of Baltimore, you got to think, you know, the Browns have a really good chance. Ravens will be on short rest. And, and look, Spencer, I'm certainly not going to doubt this Browns team ever again after this performance today. They, they certainly shut me up. So, as I said, that's going to do it for us here on The Rebuild. Appreciate all you listeners out there. If you're not on the email list for The Rebuild, please reach out to me over Twitter DMs. Henry underscore Ettinger is where you can find me there. I, you know, we're, we're continuing to build this podcast, continuing to create content. It's not just Spencer and I. Also, Peter Moses on this feed as well from Blue Wire Pods. Jordan Zerm from ESPN Cleveland, now working for the NFL. We're all bringing you tons of content on this feed. So please, please, please subscribe, rate, review, keep it up. We really appreciate the support. The podcast has, has done really well so far this season. And hey, it is an exciting time to be a Browns fan. So we want to keep delivering as much content as possible. So Spencer, thank you for joining me on the show today. And until next time, go Browns!